Here we go, here we go. Welcome to Police Pod Talk. Whoop, whoop, it's the police. Don't look in your rearview mirror. This podcast covers the latest police news along with hitting the hot topics you've been talking about all week. I'm your host, Cleveland. Thank you for joining us. Hey folks, welcome back again to Police Pod Talk. Here we go again. We're starting out our week again. I get to hang out with Stacy Davis once again, and she's with Java. We talked about that last week, and she gave us her story talking about her son, Cody, and uh, what happened and how things started to change a little bit and uh, what she was involved with. Uh, Stacy, she can say hey to the people out there. Hello. All right. <laughs> once again, thank you again for spending uh, time with me again this week. So we can really dig deep into Java. Let's find out. We know how you slowly got involved into it, how you started it. But now give us everything. Give us all the whole thing, what it's about, how it works. I'm going to sit back and listen. Okay. So um, Java officially started in September of 2018. But prior to that, um, in, I think that the the concept of Java came to be um, on Cody's first year Angelversary. So um, prior to that, I was um, talking to Scott often, the detective, talking to him often, like, why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? What, why is this not happening? And um, finally, he, he said to me, like, I just need to be brutally honest with you. Like, the only way you're going to get this case solved is to get in the media and get political. Hmm. So I thought and thought and thought, like, how do I do that? So um, I met with multiple people in the media, like, trying to get them to take my story. And um, it was for Cody's one-year anniversary. Alyssa Ivinson decided she was going to do my story. Hmm. And so she did a very in-depth story. Um, and actually even did a live spot from the balloon release that we did that night um, on Cody's first angelversary. Um, but in her story, she gathered the data of what the solve rates were, what the, you know, that it was, you know, a record homicide year. And um, she sat, sat down with Steve Reed and said, like, this is a failing grade. Like, 52% is a, is a failing grade if you're in school. Like, how can you convince the public that this is acceptable? And Steve Reed said, um, like, 50% is good. Like, that's the best we can expect. Like, you know, the national average is that. Like, what, we're doing fine. And um, disputed quite a few of the things that I had found to be in my case. You know, like, the DNA falling through the cracks and the not doing surveillance after I found him and sent pictures of him. Um, you know, all of these things, he disputed a lot of them. And um, at that point, I had found several families, and um, Amy Davis, um, her, her nephew Spencer Smith, had gotten killed at the, at the towers, and she was having similar problems in her case. And we said, you know what, we need to get loud. Like, we by ourselves cannot do this. Like, they are not listening to us, they don't care, they're consistently lying to our face. Like, 50% is acceptable. Well, when you're in the unsolved 50%, that is not acceptable. Right, right. So um, we met with a, a um, reporter from 
the, one of the newspapers and then that following week we heard of another group that met with a reporter from the other newspaper and we thought like why don't we reach out to them let's come together let's make a a group let's get loud and so that first group was called flip the city Mm-hmm. And we I tried to flip that. the city. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. And um, we held a press conference demanding Karen Richards resign because she wasn't taking the homicide cases. And um, as in your face as that group was, it got their attention. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Java probably can't do what we do today if it wasn't for Flip the City. Mm-hmm. So that group was very short-lived. And um, Amy and I left that group and decided that we we still wanted to do something. So Amy came up with the Java acronym and how it fits perfectly into what our mission is. And um, so September of 18, we had our first official meeting and that coincidentally was the same month at the end of, we had our, our first Java meeting at the beginning of September and it was at the end of September that I got the meeting with the prosecutors where they told me they were issuing a warrant. So coincidence, maybe, hmm. but I I felt like at that point they saw that I wasn't playing. Right. I wasn't right. playing anymore. Um, and then November of 18 is when Gary Hamilton left the police department. January 1st was when Steve Godfrey left the prosecutor's office. Hmm. Um, so that was, that was the sequence of events that happened after Java started. Um, we had monthly meetings September, October, November, December that year. Um, the whole following year we had monthly meetings just calling out all the things that we were seeing mm-hmm. broken in the system. Um, so it was in May of 2020 that one of our board members lost their son to fentanyl. And the way we look at fentanyl, or and, and most overdose deaths, is that's drug-induced homicide. Like that still fits into our mission because those families deserve justice too. Mm-hmm. And we've come to find out that those families have a harder time getting to justice than a case that's ruled a homicide. Um, so along the way, actually before Teresa lost her son in December of 19, um, we met Dee Campbell, who is Kevin Nugent's grandma. He went missing in December of 19 and still right. no trace of him. Right. So currently, Java supports families of homicide, overdose, and missing persons. And we do events throughout the year for all three of those different causes. Um, we hang ribbons in in February for missing persons, in August for overdose, and in September for homicide. Mm -hmm. Um, But the consortium of families that we've put together, we have learned so much about the brokenness of the system. And um, like I said, homicides are getting way better. Like the the new culture in the homicide unit is, is huge and they're kicking ass and taking names, Mm -hmm. excuse my French, but I mean, that's the best way for me to describe it is they're, they're, they've got each other's backs. They're not like the Lone Ranger, you know, getting three homicide cases or four in a week. Mm -hmm. Like they, they are solving them fast. And if you look at the homicide, not the solve rate, but just the homicide rate, 
Like, I honestly believe that there is some deterrence being mm -hmm. put into our community because they're figuring out they're not going to let us walk anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, when my son got killed, I was told by numerous people, like, come to Fort Wayne, Indiana and commit a homicide because you won't get caught. Like, that was the reputation. So hmm. things are changing for the good, but unfortunately that didn't help my son. Right, right. So you, you were mentioning a lot of things that uh, Java is doing. You mentioned that there's three events a year that you do. And you, what are they called? Do you have a name to them? They're, um, we call them ribbon hanging events. Okay, where are you hanging these ribbons? At? We hang them um, on, along Clinton Street, mm -hmm. the, the trees right along the, the road at Headwaters Park. Okay. Um, we have the bridge lit up in the appropriate colors. Right. So in February, it's blue, yellow, and green for okay. the homicide colors, and, or I mean for the yeah. missing persons colors. Right. And um, then in August, it's purple for overdose awareness, and then in September, um, September 25th is the National Day of Remembrance for Homicide Victims, so it's lit up red. Okay. Usually three days, three days either ending on the actual day or the day before and the day after. It just depends on what day it falls on for all of those different causes that we support. Okay, how many people are involved with you in Java? So our board is seven people, um, but we have close to 5,000 in our Facebook group. Mm. Um, and we have supported, I mean, we had a, we had a picnic, um, a, a, an appreciation picnic in August, and we had like 100 people there. We gave out 50 um, book bags to 50 kids for mm -hmm. school, filled, filled with school supplies. Um, I have gone to court with probably 30, 35 families mm -hmm. and sat with them through their trials and they're waiting on the jury or gone to prosecutors meetings with them to help them understand or retain mm -hmm. what the prosecutors have said to them because as you remember, I sat through three of those meetings right. and two of them were bad. Mm -hmm. And once you hear that they're not taking the case, like you don't hear anything else. Mm. I mean, I sat in there for an hour or longer two times and couldn't tell you what they said to me except they weren't taking the case. Mm -hmm. um, so I know, I understand like the, the mental aspect of going to those meetings. So I go with families and I go with a list of questions that we have talked about because I talk to them. I talk to the families on the phone, sometimes hours and hours in the middle of the night because that's when you can't sleep. Oh, yeah. Because that's when all those things are invading your thoughts and keeping you up. So I, I have gone over and over and over the things with the families. Um, so I keep a list of things to ask the prosecutors because I know, having been there myself, when you get in there, you don't remember any of those questions. Hmm. Who, who trained you in this or you just fell into this? Um, I trained myself mm -hmm. because I think back to my own personal experiences and how great it would have been to have a me mm. going to the prosecutor's meetings with me and going to the court dates with me and explaining, you know, like, it's gonna be a continuance because I can see there's four, four trials stacked and one of them's a speedy. 
Right. So be prepared for that. I wasn't prepared for it. Right. So I wasn't I wasn't prepared to take notes in the prosecutor's meetings, and I understand that mindset. So I I mean everything we do is is basically self-taught. Like, right. um, just from hearing the experiences of the families that are going through the system. So when these homicides happen, I know they have the the, the victims' assistance is there. Their people are there, right? Excuse me while I roll my eyes. <laughs> well, correct me. Well, um, I have to say that when it comes to the actual court, like sitting in the courtroom, mm -hmm. they can be helpful because they're privy to the witness list. They're privy to the order of the witnesses. They're privy to that information. Um, so they can tell the family, like, Forensics is coming up next, so if you don't want to see the bad pictures, you probably should leave. Mm -hmm. um, they're informative when it comes to court procedure, mm -hmm. but when it comes to compassion and um, prior to charges being filed, like they're they're not there. They they don't have it. Um, they're not on the phone for hours with a family member just because they're grieving. Um, they're not available to answer questions like when we do get an arrest what's going to happen or why isn't there being an arrest when you've got all of this all of this evidence like those kind of things they are not helpful with at all um, and after the fact like I had to figure out how to sign up for vine link notifications so that I can keep track of him mm -hmm. like I had to figure out how an appeal works like I expected I knew that he was going to appeal because he said the day he was sentenced that he was going to appeal mm. and I thought it was a whole nother thing like I'd have to go to Indy and sit through these hearings and right. it wasn't until I called the clerk of the appellate court to like okay it's filed you've got the briefs like what's next and she's I'm like when are the hearings right. like she had to explain to me there aren't hearings in an appeal like they brief it and then the judges read the briefs and then they make a decision like uh, okay. the whole appellate process is totally different than the conviction process so I didn't know that right um, and victims assistance didn't maybe they don't know maybe it's you know once the case is convicted that's the end of their job I don't know but there right. were a lot of gaps that we we have found right so talking to you it sounds to me like you're pretty busy. Are there like three, four other people just like you who go and do and charge ahead like you do? Because, I mean, it seems to me like you have a lot of fire in you. You want to make sure these victims understand exactly what's going on. Is there another three or four like you? Um, I inform a lot. Um, so, like there, like I said, there's seven of us on the, the board of, of directors for Java. And um, a lot of them do take phone calls and answer questions. And while they're talking to the families, they're texting me like, what does this entry mean on my case? What does it mean? And so I inform them like mm -hmm. how to educate the family. So right. yeah, I'm not doing that part by myself. Um, as far as going to court and the court process, um, they often defer to me just because mm -hmm. I've been through it twice. Right. Like I've been through two trials mm -hmm. and sat through numerous other trials with other families. So. Right. When it comes to actually going to the courthouse and, and being there for families, they 
often defer to me and I have a very flexible job so I can work at night if I'm in court all day mm -hmm. so I have a lot more flexibility than most of the other people on our board and like I told you like we're all volunteers we all work full-time jobs right and then do the Java stuff um, in our in our off time okay. um, so but like for for overdoses Teresa Julerette does the same thing as I do she's on the phone sometimes all night you know often during the day um, going to vigils and funerals and and things like that and she's gone to Washington DC um, she's marched on the Chinese embassy mm -hmm. um, she is she has a proclamation from Congress regarding her and her son hmm. um, and the, the the truth about fentanyl. So um, she does what I do with homicide families, she mm -hmm. does with, with overdose families. Right. And then Dee Campbell does the same things with missing persons families. Okay. So for someone listening right now, and even for me, walk me through a scenario. There's a homicide. What, how, how do you get involved and what do you do? So we have, we have a lot of people that reach out to us now. Um, they see crime scene tape up. They see a bunch of police presence. Um, and as we're able, we start at the crime scene. We find the family at the crime scene and give them our business card. Or we find out, again, that six degrees of separation. Mm -hmm. like. Families reach out to us sometimes as soon as the homicide has happened. Um, and we help them in any way that we can. Um, we are partnered with a live community outreach. Um, they sometimes can help with funerals or repast dinners, things like that. Um, when the family's ready to start talking about the criminal case, like, we let them know, like any questions, like if we don't know the answer, we can find a family that has had that situation mm. who knows the answer. Mm. Um, we, like, I mean, I'm going to court three times next week, um, an initial hearing on Monday for a brand new homicide, um, one on Friday with a family that um, the person was involved in the homicide of their loved one got a sweet plea deal and then violated probation while he was in Alabama killing somebody else and now the, the federal marshals have finally caught him and he's got his probation violation hearing hmm. so she sat through you know the whole justice process getting him in prison then they let him out he committed another homicide violating the probation in her case so we'll go to court and see him in court again hmm. um, we've got um, numerous trials that I'm following the one that I was telling you about that's been continued the trial itself has been continued four times one defendant took a plea agreement and then recanted their guilty right. plea now the other defendant has taken a plea agreement to testify against the other um, multiple continuances and likely going to get continued again um, yeah I, it just that's a lot there's, yeah. there's a lot to do okay when you're done, let's say the person's found guilty, they get X number of years in prison. Your job doesn't end then with the family, does it? Oh, absolutely not. What, what happens after that? So um, we, that's, that's one, part of our, our mission is support. Um, and the phone calls continue. The, 
um, we had the picnic this year so that families who have the same pain can get together and feel not so alone because hmm. it's, it's very isolating being yeah. a victim of violent crime just in general is isolating the system in part causes a lot of that isolation How's that? because they they tell you don't talk to the media don't mm. talk to other families don't mm. you know like under the guise of preservation of evidence um, and I believed that for so I believed that for so long like don't let any of that information get out because if the defendant finds out about it then you know but they give it all to them in discovery like it, mm. it just so from our perspective, there is not a reason that a family should not get in the media. There is not a reason that the family should not be allowed to talk to the media about their loved one. Mm -hmm. The sooner after a homicide happens, the better. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise the coverage is all about the person that killed their right. loved one. Right. So if you don't talk to the media, who's going to get your loved one's story out mm -hmm. there? Hmm. So that advice makes the detectives and the prosecutors nervous. but. We, um, we, we do education, we talk to them about what they can and can't or should and shouldn't say to the media, but the media was a big part of me getting my case solved. Right. Like if I had not taken Scott's advice and gotten in the media, it probably still wouldn't be solved. Have you ever sat down with the prosecutor's office and said, hey, here's what we do, here's why we do what we do. Tell us what really hurts you if we do these things and tell us what can help you if we do these things. Have you had a conversation with the, we got a new prosecutor now. Have you had a conversation with him? I have not. I mean, I've, I've talked with Michael McAlexander over the years and often see him at the courthouse and, mm -hmm. and have that hallway chats. Um, but we have not formally sat, sit, sat down with Michael McAlexander yet. Mm -hmm. um, we did have um, meetings started off as public meetings as Flip the City that Karen and her dog and pony show did attend. Um, we had some very confrontational moments. Um, but once Flip the City went away and Java formed, Java's kind of like the softer, gentler Flip the City. Mm -hmm. And we revised our approach um, and we, we had public meetings where Karen Richards um, and Michael McAlexander came um, and answered questions in a public forum. Mm -hmm. um, we had them actually in person before COVID and we had a Zoom meeting, public meeting with them when COVID was going on. Um, and I have, we actually have a working relationship with the prosecutor's office. Okay. In fact, there are times that they call me and ask me to come to meetings with families. Okay. Um, because I they they see the value in me being there because I've been there and honestly over time a lot of my opinions that I formed initially are have been revised I mean for example like in my case like all the way up until maybe two months before our first trial like no plea bargain do not offer a plea bargain I will go to the media I will trash you mm -hmm. like do not offer a plea bargain in my case and Tom followed through with that. So they lost one, like two, three months before Cody's trial. 
Um, it was Malachi Garrett, and the jury did it by the murder murder charge. They convicted him on aggravated battery, but not on murder. And I didn't have an aggravated battery charge in my case. So if they didn't convict on murder, he was walking. Right, right. So when that happened, I got really nervous and started writing him, please, please offer him a plea bargain. Like, So he called me and we talked about it, and my bottom line was 30 years, and so that's what he offered him, and he declined it. Hmm. So we went to trial anyway, and got a mistrial, not an acquittal, got a mistrial, and then the second time around, they buttoned up all the, I, I actually found a juror from the first trial and she was willing to talk to me. And so I got nine pages of notes from that juror of the discussions, where the holes were, what the mm. problem was. Mm. And then I went and met with Tom and Jeff Steinberg was the other prosecutor mm -hmm. on the case and, and gave them all the notes. And they buttoned up every, every hole, every, every thing that the juror, the first jury mm -hmm. feedback they buttoned it all up, and we we got a conviction the second time. So, um, I've seen a lot of improvement in the way that they prosecute cases. Right. The, using a PowerPoint now, they didn't use a PowerPoint in our first trial. Hmm. Our second trial, they had a PowerPoint for closing that filled in all those gaps and tied pretty little bows on yeah. all the yeah. connecting of the dots, and and they're very successful in prosecuting cases now. Hmm. So, um, I'd never say that Java is directly responsible for any of these changes, but I would say that we definitely facilitated some of them. Right. Now, <coughs> I ask uh, people this question a lot, and I said this before, it seems like you're a hard charger. You're still involved in uh, making sure your son's murderer stays where he's supposed to be. Who helps you? Java. I mean, uh, so many families and myself look to Java as the support that we need. Um, we have events throughout the year. Christmas crafts is coming up every December. Um, we find a, um, a partner that does a toy drive for us mm -hmm. and um, we take donations and every December we do have a meeting at um, Calvary United Methodist Church in which we do crafts with the families. Um, we have a toy tables where the kids go up and pick out a gift or the parent can go pick out a gift in secret for so it's a surprise for the ch children but decorate Christmas cookies and um, it's just a fun time of fellowship with people that completely get where you're at mm. because it, it doesn't go away right how many just this year take a guess how many families are you working with now um, right now I'm watching 10 different trials um, some of them are a family that has more than one person arrested for the case and others are just one person arrested um, and I will eventually sit through the trial for all of them but they're you know they keep getting continued and continued so I mean I usually end up sitting through maybe four or five trials a year
um, and still going to the hearings with the other families that are getting continued and continued. Right. So, yeah, I'm watching like 10 trials right now. Um, and historically, probably, like I said, 25 to 30 hmm. families that we've already walked through the justice right. system. Um, and part of that is because they're making so many arrests now. <laughs> so, I mean, just this year we've gotten two 2016 cases solved and a 2017 hmm. that were actual Java families. So, um, hmm. slowly but surely, we're, they're picking them off. Right, right. So someone listening, um, how can they help you? How can they help Java? Um, watch our page. Like we, we make posts often about things that, that we need help with. Um, we've just recently recruited someone that's going to be helping us keep our database up to date that um, will eventually be on our calendar on our website that's showing like families that when their trial dates are, when their hearing dates are, um, when their loved one's birthday is, when the, the angelversary is. Um, we're hoping to have all of that up on our website and to do that we have to build out a database that has all that information. So we recently recruited someone to do that. Um, as far as support goes, whenever they see one of our public events come and, and help our, you know, any family like willing to be on the phone with somebody or we have we have a couple fundraisers every year um, the right for justice is our big fundraiser every year and that is um, supported by Calvary United Methodist Church um, True Kings bicycle or a motorcycle club mm -hmm. and um, the Eagles the Eagle Riders um, so we we ride through town um, up until this year we actually rode around the components of justice, which would be the courthouse, the prosecutor's office, the jail, the police department, like just circled that big block. Right. Um, and it's getting so big, like last year, we, the front was coming around and the back hadn't even, like we were passing each other. It was, had, we had so many riders. Right. Um, but this year with all the construction downtown, we oh, decided yeah. not, to, right. not to go downtown. It keeps our riders and our blockers a lot safer. Um, but that is a, a big fundraiser for us and mm -hmm. it's amazing to see all those motorcycles we we make signs for mm -hmm. our love for our families that have right. like their pic picture and the dates yeah. and we line the drive of the church with the signs and then we video the motorcycles driving by them and it's like motorcycle motorcycle like it, yeah. it's a long line so um, that's a great way to support that's usually in like August, September. Right. Um, so, and then usually in the winter months, we go back to our public meetings where we have the families in and we discuss a topic anywhere from like how to deal with the prosecutor's office, how to deal with the media, like we any kind of informative mm -hmm. type public meetings that we can have to help them, um, either the unsolved families figure out ways to hold rallies and get the attention, get the media attention, like the things that, that have worked for me and other families to get our cases solved. Mm -hmm. We have public meetings to help families understand how to do that themselves. Now you guys are a non-for-profit organization. Mm -hmm. Let's say a listener out there is saying, hey, how do I just donate money? What, what do I do? Well, do I put it in an envelope and do what? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually we can take donations on our website through PayPal. 
um, Cash App and Venmo. Uh, our, our website is javafw.org and um, also on javafw.org and maybe we can we'll talk about this at a later date but we have a a tool that we've developed that um, we met with the gang unit and asked them like this was back when they were having a lot of problems with juveniles they're still having a lot of problems with mm -hmm. juveniles but at this this point in time um, three or four maybe five of them had been arrested for homicide mm -hmm. and like guns shot shooting all all hours of the night all over the t city um, and so we met with them and asked them like what what can we do to help and um, they said that they had found in the schools the school resource officers are having issues they don't want to talk they don't want to go through crime stoppers because they understand IP addresses and they, they understand mm -hmm. this technology mm -hmm. and they know like if I go to your to your app or your website and give a tip you're going to track my IP address mm. somebody could figure out who I am so we developed a tool on our website that does not track IP addresses um, they can go to SAM which sta stands for send anonymous message and it just the IP address that the police department gets is our IP address okay. and it looks like an email from Java right. so it is completely anonymous um, so that's on our website, and um, it's it's still kind of primitive because we're not web designers, and right. we we have right. a great web designer, but he's donating his time to us, so um, we try not to take advantage of that. And so at this point, it's it's pretty primitive, but we do have the ability to take donations um, as well as as that anonymous reporting tool on our website. How long are you going to keep doing this? You know, it's, it's kind of funny that you ask because in 2019, when we finally got our conviction, a lot of people expected me to leave Java because it had served my purpose. And I said, heck no, I've learned too much. Yeah. Like, there's so many gaps and so many ways that we can fill in the gaps. Um, I, I don't know. I'm going to win the lottery, and then I'm going to give <laughs> Java $10 million, and then they're going to start paying me. And Right. Okay. I'm laughing. <laughs> watch, watch it happen. Right. Well, Stacy, I really appreciate you doing what you do, and I'm sure a lot of families appreciate you doing what you do. And you don't have a law degree, do you? No. Okay. No, I, people often tell me I'm the best lawyer that's never been to law school. <laughs> I can see that. That actually was my dream at one point, um, but I got lazy and got two master's degrees instead of getting a JD. Okay, <laughs> well, that's that's fine. But I do. I really appreciate you taking the time and even talk to me about y your life, uh, how this all started, and to inform people on what's going on and how to get involved. I'm hoping that we can continue conversations and uh, talk to other families and get involved with uh, what's going on and help people solve crimes. I mean, give a little bit of peace and comfort to the families that have gone through something like that. Um, thank you very much. Am I missing anything that you might want to talk about before we say? Um, there's probably lots, but I can't think of anything right now. <laughs> okay, so. we, can, we can always do this again. Right? Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I want to I get you hooked up with our overdose people okay. and our, our missing persons people. and. Right. Um, there's that we've we've touched the tip of the iceberg okay. as far as Java goes, but um, yeah, there's there's a lot more that we can 
we can share with you in future podcasts. Excellent, excellent. That's what I wanted to hear. So now I've got you tied in. Since you said it, it's got to happen. Now you <laughs> right, know that, right? right. All right, uh, Stacy. Thank you very much. And listeners, we will be, probably for sure be back with you again next week. Again, uh, we were talking uh, about Java, justice, accountability, and victims advocacy. Uh, it's all Java, but they're there for you if you need them, and uh, they're not going anywhere. They're right. not going anywhere, right, Stacy? Correct. All right. Folks, thanks for listening again to Police Talk, Pod Talk. We'll catch you again next week. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Junior or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.